The following is a CA original. Pouncer, the Palm Squad. Pre- and post-game parties on Beale Street. It's all part of the Memphis Tigers basketball game day experience. This is the Tiger Basketball Podcast. What's happening, Tiger Basketball fans? We are back for another edition of the Tiger Basketball Podcast. I'm Mark Giannato, the Commercial Appeal Sports columnist. I'm joined by Jason Munns, our Tiger basketball beat writer. Uh, We are coming to you in the aftermath of Memphis ending their three-game losing streak with a four-point win over uh, ECU at FedEx Forum on uh, Wednesday night. They have a huge home game against Houston on Saturday afternoon, a quad one win opportunity the type of win that could get them back into the bubble conversation uh, because that three-game losing streak has taken them out of that conversation by and large. Well, I, I so a Thursday edition, by the way, I mm-hmm. mean, as, as you alluded to since we were talking about well, the Well, because Wednesday the games – we're coming to you Thursday because they play Houston Saturday and then they're at SMU Tuesday. Yeah. Um, so we felt like it was better to do it Thursday – both these games, if Memphis wants to make the tournament, feel like they need, they need to win both of them, even though SMU is a road game. So I'm a little s- surprised um, just by the uh, just by the um, I don't know surprised by the way you're talking a little bit. You you're let's pretend Memphis wins Saturday, beats Houston Saturday, and beats SMU next Tuesday. Do you do you believe they have a legitimate chance of being back in the bubble, like being? They'll back- be in the conversation. Yeah, I do think they'll be in the conversation if they win both games. Well, if you look at the bracketologists now, they're still under consideration in air quotes. Yeah, but they're not like they're not even next four out, right? Like they're and they're not even like they're like. They're, yes, they're one of like the fifteen teams that could be that people are considering. Like the way I, I follow Eamon Brennan from the Athletic. He's been doing it. He did before going to the Athletic. He did it the, his bubble watch at ESPN for a decade, and I've always followed him. I found him to be very accurate. The way he fra- he didn't even have um, Memphis in his work to do category this past week, but in his intro, he basically said. We'll revisit Memphis if they can beat Houston. Like so, essentially, that's what I'm saying. They're back in the conversation. They're still probably not on the right side of the bubble, and that's why. That's what. But I'm, they're back in the conversation. Like in the like, you can say they're under consideration, but there are a lot of teams ahead of them in the pecking order. But right. if you can get two wins in a row and therefore have a three game winning streak, I think you're back in the conversation. Well, see, I guess that's where my hang up is. Is like that would be that loud a win over Houston at home and a win over SMU on the road would be that loud that it would get you from, like you were saying, Eamon Brennan doesn't even have them wherever. Mm-hmm. But it would be so; those two wins would be so loud that they would be. Look what's happening on the bubble. Teams are Cincinnati lost last night. Like teams are losing. It's a soft bubble. Yes, two good wins like that. Well, that's encouraging for would get you back in the conversation. Again, I'm saying conversation. Like I'm saying they'll probably be in the next four out. Like they'll be one of the top eight, not in the tournament. Like they're gonna have to win. Like to me, you're gonna have to win at least beat Houston once, beat SMU, and beat Wichita State. To me, at least. 
And I still don't know if that's going to be enough. What if you beat Houston at home, beat them on the road? If you sweep Houston, we're having a totally different conversation. Okay. If you can sweep Houston, okay. like that is a huge accomplishment. But no one in the AAC has swept Houston. Right. So that seems like a tall ask, especially for – and we're, we're, having, we're, we're leading with this conversation when we're coming off, yes, they ended a three-game losing streak, but it wasn't like they looked very good against DCU. I mean, oh, no. they look good in moments. They jumped out to a big lead early. They jumped out to a 16-point lead in the second half. But ultimately, they had to survive at home against a bad ECU team, a 10-17 and 17 ECU team. An ECU team, when you watched it play out on the court, ECU had no business being in that game. And so that's what's cons- – I mean, like, to me more than anything, like, we can talk about the hypotheticals, but – this team is going to have to play dramatically better to beat Houston on Saturday, yeah. and they're going to have to play dramatically better to, you know, to Let's win the number of games they need to win to really legitimately get back into the NCAA tournament conversation. Let's just say they should they they will have to play dramatically better for longer. I mean, because they there are as you mentioned there are there are stretches where they do play really well. They I mean. They do. They, I mean, they only turned the ball over four times in the second half. Yeah. So how did East Carolina get back in the game? Uh, they stopped. Memphis started taking bad shots. Yeah. They stopped playing defense. I mean, like ECU shot. They were Memphis was tremendous in the first half defensively. They were they were shutting down ECU, and they were tremendous in the the first five minutes of the second half when they jumped out to a 16-point lead or so. I know you pointed out to me at one point, like in the, in the last couple of minutes, that ECU was shooting 64-some percent. And it was, they, were just getting, they were getting good looks. Like Memphis wasn't playing. They, they, Memphis took its foot off the gas pedal, essentially. Yeah. They, like, they, they viewed their job as done after, th- after 26, 27 minutes of the game. And ECU came back. And now, luckily... Memphis made enough plays late. They got some big buckets from Boogie Ellis, Precious Achua. Lester hit a big one that that you know he missed the and one, but there was a layup there where you know uh, Precious Achua had another double double, and when they got him the ball inside was dominant. But like as Penny put it after the game, that you know they just started doing essentially stupid stuff, and you know that's and a, that's been their mo i mean that's kind i mean of- lately well and and that's my problem with this argument i wrote a column and you know it's been sort of i guess polarizing would be the word because you are a polarizing figure mark I, I just think this concept that because james wiseman and dj jeffries are injured that that means we can't criticize anything that's happening this season i just think is ridiculous and i think last night proved the point like that team Memphis is so much more talented than it than that ECU team. And it'd be one thing to me if like you're on the road in Greenville, which is like a weird place to play. Um no one's ever there. Um like to struggle on the road is one thing. To coming off a three-game losing streak to do what you just did at home, I, I think speaks, you know, like to me it speaks to like Penny says they they keep doing stupid stuff and the fact that these things that happen to them happen in patterns like the turnovers and now this streak of I mean a lot of these losses lately have been because they've looked a lot like the game last yes. night looked and and that tells me 
like I just think I just think discounting what's taking place, what you're watching on the court, just because yes, like losing James Wiseman and lo- in not having DJ Jeffries has affected the trajectory of the season. No, like and and I think making any sort of grand proclamations about Penny Hardaway as a coach or whether he should is job security should be you know like we should be talking about that. No, absolutely not. Like you can't. It, it, this season's an incomplete because those two guys are gone. But to like just close your eyes and ignore what else is happening on the court, like to say like everything is honky dory, like everything's honky dory, and if like Penny just does the same things he did this year, next year, the year after, when he doesn't lose guys, like everything's going to be okay. I think is wrong. I think I, I think he should be criticized. I think it's good for him to face criticism for what he's done this year. Like, he's done some good things. Like, like I think the way they play defensively for the most part, the way he seems to be an excellent motivator because they play their butts off most of the time, like, those are really good signs for his future as a coach. But he's also looked like a second-year coach a lot. Like, you know, the way their offense has not really improved this year. It's really struggled. And part of that, I guess, you're right, is James Wiseman and 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 DJ Jeffries not being here. But part of it is is like they haven't looked cohesive all year. Like they haven't, the pieces haven't necessarily. the The offense doesn't seem to be right for the pieces that they have, and I, you know, that doesn't make sense to me. Why there haven't been more adjustments? The rotations have been confusing. A lot of the year, he's struggled to find, you know, who to put in when. And, like, even when DJ Jeffries was healthy, you know, the the, the, the rotations were weird. Um, and it's possible for... it's. Po- I don't understand. I don't know how we reached a point where being critical of someone is, like, saying they should be fired. Like, I, I, I just think... Penny needs to grow as a coach just like these players need to grow as players. For him to be the best coach he can be, he needs to learn from this year. And I think he I even though like he doesn't the way he talks doesn't suggest it the, sometimes the way he talks suggests he's stubborn. I actually think his actions suggest that he is learning from this season. Right, right. Um like I agree he, with that. You know, like he he has shortened the rotation. His, and his, he has grabbed control of the offense. You know, you know, slowed them down a little bit, and 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 to help them cut down on the turnovers. Yeah, um, you're right. No, the way the way he sort of uh, um, talks about things on the record, you know, to to us, to the media, does suggest that it makes it seem like he. Um, like the other day, he was asked, like, you know, the, like the fact that basically, like, you know, when you ask him about the turnovers or when you ask him about finishing games, he goes, it's all we ever talk about. Like, like and then, it ain't our fault. You know, we're, we're it's all we ever part. talk about. Yeah. Like, I don't understand. And it's like, well, maybe. And so he was asked. I thought Jarvis Greer asked a great question the other day. He asked him, you know, given given this, given like it's it it hasn't improved. Like, do you think you need to alter your teaching method at all? And he goes, no, these kids are (laughs) over prepared for games. Yeah. And, Please point me to a game where it appeared this team was overprepared. I'm sorry. Like, like, and so that response, that that is not that is a response that, again, I think his actions actually counter what he's saying there. Like, right, I do think right. he has made adjustments. 
Um, yes, I agree with that. And I think, um, but I think like responses like that worry me right. because clearly there has been a, you know, whatever a communication divide, whatever it is, because a lot of the issues this team has have run into have occurred consistently. Yeah. And even though Penny says they emphasize it every day in practice, every day in practice. I think that's probably what he means by saying we over-prepare them. Is mm-hmm. like we're not I think he's what he's saying is like we're not not addressing things, mm-hmm. but somewhere there's a disconnect. But again, they're not like, hearing him. Like I'm again, I'm not saying Penny's a bad coach. Right. I think there's a lot of things he's done that suggest he's got the potential to be a very good coach, college coach. But to but to but to say he's there right now and to, to ignore what's happened this season just because of the personnel losses, like, we get it. Like, no one's expecting them to be the team that we thought they were going to be at the beginning of the season. Like, it would be ridiculous to, given the fact that James Wiseman and DJ Jeffries aren't playing for this team now. Yeah. But to just then, but because of that, to just ignore what I think are some flaws that can be corrected... I just think is I don't understand why people are so sensitive to that. Like, uh, yeah. like it's for the good of the program. Like, if he right. doesn't grow from this season, like it does Tiger basketball no good. Right, right. But bottom line is the two aren't mutually exclusive. You can you can say you can say yeah they lost uh, you know potentially one of the best players in in the country and. Uh, the third best, the third most productive player on offense on the team has gone down at a very critical point in the season. You can say that, and you can say, you can you can say that's not good. That hasn't helped them in any way. But you also you you can also say this team is underachieved. Regardless of that, I don't even want to go as far as say underachieved. I just think there's things that can be improved upon going forward that will help Penny as a coach. Later on, when when he does get all the breaks, and when he do, when he does have another team like the one he thought he was going to have, he you know like I just I don't understand this concept of we can't criticize Penny. Like why not? He's not he hasn't been perfect. Like I don't get that, and it's a not and critic being critical is not like dumping on the guy and saying he shouldn't be the coach or he's not going to be he's not a good coach. It's just. It's just laying out there what we've watched. Like, right. like let's be real. This three-game losing streak, they should have won all three of those games. Here's they the, were up in the second yeah. half in at Cincinnati. They were up ten with six minutes to go. You, there's like a, according to ESPN model, there was like a ninety-six percent chance they win that game, or ninety-two percent chance. Right. They're up by five in the second half at UConn, a UConn team, by the way, that was missing two of its best players. One of them got injured at the, the very game. beginning of the game, a Coca Coke. So, like, they're dealing with the same thing. And then the USF game, that's an under 500 team at home at FedEx Forum. Like, <laughs> and then ECU, like, I'm sorry, like, to just be, like, like, Penny said it was statement enough just to win that game. I'll remind, I, I would remind you that Tubby Smith last year, when he lost to ECU in overtime, now, albeit in Greenville, that is what set in motion. That is what literally President David Rudd, after that game, called up board members and was like, "We need to get prepared for a coaching change." That law and and so like to just like 
put blinders on because they won the game. Like, they won by four against ECU. Like, to see, like this team that's left is not chopped liver. Like, these guys are pretty good players. And, yes, they are really young. But, like, just watching what's going on the court. I know, like, historically, teams this young who lose their best player and their second leading scorer don't do well. And, and, and Memphis is managing as well as can be expected, I guess, given that. But I'm just going on what's taking place on a game-to-game basis. And when I look at what's taking place on a game-to-game basis, that three-game losing streak shouldn't have happened. It just shouldn't have. They should have won. They had a, They had... They not only had an opportunity, but were in position to win two of the three on the road. And the third loss was to a bad team they had no business losing to at home. And so to say, like, there shouldn't be any criticism, like, because of that, I, I just think, I don't, like I said, I don't think it's healthy for the program. I don't think it's good for Penny because Penny is a second year college coach. And I think it's all time we acknowledge, like, and I've said it repeatedly this year, like, he's looked like a second-year college coach. And again, that's not, like, saying he's not going to be a good coach. And it's not saying he can't coach. It's just saying he's inexperienced and he needs to grow from this. And so for him to be, you know, him to say the criticism is hilarious, which he said earlier this week, like, no, the criticism is exactly what he needs to hear to become the coach I think he can become. Yeah, I mean that's the thing is you you can do both. You can say, you can say, you can acknowledge the fact that if James Wiseman and DJ if James Wiseman was still here and DJ Jeffries was not hurt, here's what I'll say: if James Wiseman was playing for this team and DJ Jeffries was playing for this team, they should be a Final Four contender. That's right. But I would say this: I'm not confident that they would necessarily make it to the Final Four given what I've seen coaching-wise this season. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Like, I'm just going to be perfectly honest. Yeah, right. Like, I don't know if Penny was ready to take a team to the Final Four. They'd be 22-4 and probably right now Eh. with those two. They probably, I don't know. It's hard to say because James Wiseman was such a game changer, like, especially in a league as bad as the American. Like, that's the other thing. The American's bad. Right, but he he wouldn't have been back for the Georgia game. And he wouldn't have been back for the Wichita State game, so you still you still count those two losses. Okay, you know what I mean. So, and then the Oregon loss—that's three. And then you figure—I don't know if even James Wiseman was gonna was gonna change the outcome of that Tulsa uh, game. I don't know. Like you know, that Tulsa I mean, listen, game just spiraled. And if you have someone like James Wiseman, that could change that. I don't yeah, know. you never know. But let's just say, for argument's sake, twenty-two and four. If James Wiseman was still here and DJ Jeffries wasn't hurt, that is a team that is. Um, putting itself in position to be like under consideration, you know, like in the running for a final four uh, spot. But no, you're right. I mean, that doesn't necessarily mean they're going to get to the final four because uh, of the, of a lot of the things that we've seen uh, so far uh, out of Penny Hardaway. And, and you mentioned it, uh, the American is not a great league. Even, I mean, the fact of the matter is this Memphis hasn't played the best team in this league yet. Yeah. They've only played Wichita State, one of the and other... And here's what I'll say, even without Wiseman just and Jeffries, I still think they could beat Houston. And even with what they did against ECU, I think they could beat Houston at home on Saturday. I do too. Like, I think they have enough talent. I think there's enough. If they play the way they did for 35 minutes against Cincinnati on the road, they could beat Houston. All right, let's. That's a you're a really good segue artist. I don't know if you know that, but I have a radio show. You know, 
I have heard that. Yeah. Uh, not the show. I've heard that you have it, but I haven't heard the show. <laughs> um, <laughs> so what do you think? What do you think is going to happen these next two games? I th- I think they're going to play. I think I think the Houston game is going to be a good game. I don't I don't think they win it, but I think they're going to play. I th- my 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 problem with Houston Houston has really good guards, and what we've learned about Memphis is, I mean Boogie Ellis has come on strong lately. Um, it's an interesting dynamic with Boogie Ellis because he's scoring the ball really well, and what's become clear is. He is much more comfortable with the ball in his hands. He's averaging thirteen and a half points in his last eight games since yeah. since he snapped out of his slump. His like, and like I said, he hit some big shots at the end of that ECU game. Yeah, um, that that you know he helped them huge, stave off ECU. It was tied sixty six sixty six, and he hits a huge three. And then uh, a minute or two later, or a few seconds later, whatever it was, he hits a um, a runner uh, in the lane, and that broke uh, another tie that put them up 71-69 and they never trailed again um so yeah i mean boogie here's the, Ellis here's here's the problem here's the issue though i would say with boogie like you said over the last 5 games right 8 games oh, that's 8 games 8 games he's averaging 13 and a half points okay well over the last 3 games he has 3 assists over the last Total? 5 games yes he has 8 assists um so <sighs> That that's one issue with having him with the ball in his hands. It helps him. It may not help every. It may not help anyone else. So that's something they got to balance. Like he had no assists against ECU. Lester had four, I believe. Is that right? Lester and Alo both had four. Yeah, I'm not sure. But like that. and so maybe if you play him with Alo right. and you play, but then with Alo on the court, like then the ball's not in his hands as much. And I I do think you want the ball. You I'd rather. I think the positives of Boogie scoring outweigh maybe the potential negatives that he's not great at creating for others right now because right. this team this team needs a guy who can go hit a get a bucket. That's right, and he appears to be emerging as that. But I would just say, like, like I mean, Houston's got Quentin Grimes. They have Dejon Giroux. Like yeah. they've got guards and they've got long guards, mm-hmm. and that's. That's not a great matchup for Memphis. In Experienced players, uh, yes. too. <laughs> you know, they, they've they've said it over and over and over again that uh, you know when they lose, they they like to lean on that um, notion that they are very young and they are going up against seniors and grad transfers and they junior got, college transfers. Yeah, and, Caleb Mills is a six three freshman. Giroux is six five. Quentin Grimes is six five. Nate Hinton is six five. Like, right. These are big guards. Yeah. Like and so like you know like the Hinton's lineup a so- is Hinton a sophomore? Yes. Um, and so but he plays well. He was a top his recruit. Like his fret he was like the highest rated recruit in the AAC coming in his freshman year. Yeah. He he's not a sophomore like. You know, a typical sophomore. Let's put it that way. But I, I'm just saying, it's going to be hard to, for instance, like playing the Lomax Tyler Harris lineup. That seems that seems problematic in this well, game. It's a good thing then that Damian Ball. Yes, this is going to be an important game for Damian Ball, who I thought played well in the game against ECU. Took some horrendous shots during a couple horrendous shots during that um, ECU comeback, and Penny pulled him and didn't really put him back in until the very end of the game because of that shot selection. Right. But I think he's going to be very important. Lester. Lester, Boogie. Boogie. Um, yeah, so. I, I think I think that lineup, Lance, 
Lester, Boogie, Damian Ball, and Precious Achua. That's going to be is that that's been the starting lineup, right? The last few games. I mean, that's the- here's 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 a couple things that that like so look Houston. Houston's top thirty, top twenty in offensive efficiency and top thirty in defensive efficiency. This is the best team in the American. It's not close mm-hmm. uh, this year. Um, they play at a slow tempo, but which, they play hard. Well, that's the th- they play at a slow tempo, but like that's the thing. Like Memphis, if Memphis was good at running, it might help. But Memphis plays at that fast tempo. But we know when they try to run too much, it's not good. Right. Um, if anybody's gonna like capitalize on Memphis's uh turnover proneness it's going to be Houston because like we said they're long they're experienced and they play hard i can't say that enough they they play in they're, they're they second in the country in offensive rebounding percentage yeah, which again right. has been another Achilles heel of Memphis in some of these games they have not done a great job keeping teams off the offensive glass here's something Memphis can take advantage of though they foul a lot Houston fouls a lot, right? And like teams get to the free throw line against them, but and that I, that doesn't necessarily play well into Memphis's hands. Yes. Seven of Memphis's last nine games, they've shot seventy percent or worse from the free throw line. That's not good. Yeah, that's a, bad. I'm gonna be honest. It just like I've I said this early in the season to you, like including last Houston night. is not a great man. Like they need to beat Houston to like reignite their NCAA tournament hopes. Houston is not a good matchup for them. Yeah, it's going to be a big upset if they win. If they win, and I think they will win. I'm gonna. You think I, they're going to win at home? Yeah, yeah. Listen, I think they're going. I think they're going to play them close. I don't know. I I, I wouldn't predict a win. Um, I'll do it. Okay. I don't care. Right. And I think they're going to go to SMU and beat them. What do you think of that? I hope so. That'd be great. <laughs> I mean, honestly, like I, you know, if they're because that again, that would get them back in the conversation. Right, right, right. Again, I don't know if it. I don't know if they're you know last four in even with those two wins, but you're back in the conversation going to Tulane, which should be a winnable game, and then your last two against Wichita State at home and Houston on and the road. Houston. I mean, Tulane did just beat SMU though last night too, so it was a, it was it was just another crazy night of college basketball. SMU goes down at Tulane, and then uh, Cincinnati loses in double overtime to UCF. Um, just a, uh, it's, a, it's just a crazy jumbled mess. Um, you know, it's, it's anybody's game, any given night. Um, and that, you know, that, that should make for a very interesting conference tournament, which we're not there yet. We still got five games left in the regular year. Um, uh, but that conference tournament, I I'm, I'm thinking is going to be just a wild ride. Well, and, and you wrote something today about how, you know, cause it, Given all the struggles this team's been through, the three-game losing streak it just ended, they're still what a, a game out of fourth place yeah, of getting a first-round buy. Because right. I think to win the conference tournament, getting the buy is crucial. I don't think since they've expanded, a team that didn't get the buy has won the conference tournament. I'm not sure someone outside the top four has ever. I mean, it's very rare. I mean, I guess Memphis did maybe the first year okay. they were in the American. But certainly since they expanded and it went to a bye system, a team that has not gotten the bye has never won the conference tournament. And that's only been a few years. But um, And I think you want to avoid Houston as long as possible. Like, I think, yeah. I think you know, an ideal scenario for Memphis to me, like, how far are they out of third place? 
uh, two games, I think. Check it. Out. You look it up. But yeah. they're they're a half game back of Wichita State, who's in fifth place right now, and SMU's in fourth, and they're a game back of SMU. Yes. So they're game back of SMU's in fourth, and they're two games back of Tulsa, who's in third, and two and a half back of Cincinnati, Cincinnati. who's in second, and so three back of first place Houston with yes, two games with against two. Houston coming up. I mean, it's, it's to so, me it's your just, ideal scenario is you want to finish. Third, so you're avoiding Houston because, like, I think Cincinnati, Tulsa, SMU, Wichita State, like Memphis has a good shot against any of those teams on yeah. any given day. Yeah, I, and we'll we'll know more whether how exactly how they match up against Houston after Saturday. But I, I personally, I don't think it's a great matchup for Memphis. But if you could get a Cincinnati or a Tulsa. Or Wichita State in the AAC semifinals, I think you got a good shot making to the finals. I think like you got a fighter's chance, yeah, if you will. Right. Um, I just think you want to avoid, and because I also think if you end the season strong, and you want to have that outside shot and that large bid, you can't. I think you, the Memphis has put itself in a situation where even if it things go well at the end of the year, they still need to make a run to the conference tournament finals to really help themselves. Let me throw this scenario at you. Beat Houston Saturday, beat SMU Tuesday, beat Tulane mm-hmm. Saturday mm-hmm. Um, on the road. Lose to Wichita State. No, you can't lose to Wichita State at home. Can't. No. Even if you make a run to the title game in the conference tournament. I think I think you can't still lose a home game the- like that. Like that's a home that's a win. Like to me it's like so then you're saying they be, you better beat Houston on the road then if in no, that scenario. No, I'm, I'm that's so You're saying scenario. they go 3 and three 2. And two yep. No, I don't think that's enough. I think you'd have to win the conference and tournament. And then win two games in the conference tournament. So and just get so get a first round bye and win two first games round so bye, get to the conference games, get to the title game. Cuz what here's the thing. What I found is the 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 especially in recent years the committee Going far in the conference tournament doesn't can help your seeding right. in the NCAA tournament, but it doesn't improve. Your it doesn't large. often get you in, right? I got you. If you will, I got you. You know, like it's got to be something it's, dramatic. It's very rare. Yeah. If you look at recent years, like that's the way the committee looks. Like a, making a big run in the conference tournament can take you from a seven seed to a six or a five seed, right? But it doesn't often because because it you know ultimately. You're judged on your entire body of work, right, right. and the conference tournament is like a 72-hour yeah. sprint right. that, yes, is is part of your body of work, but there's also 31 other games that they're right. going to judge you on. So, no, I, I mean, personally, I think... You got... I think you got... You can... You got to win the next four. You got to go four and one. Yeah. You got to... Not necessarily the next four. Like oh, if you so win, four of the next five. I think you... you if you're Memphis and you want to be... You want to actually have a legitimate conversation about making the NCAA tournament... You got to go four and one over these next five. That makes sense. That's what I think. That's fair. Um, remember, I told you a week ago. I thought five and three yep. over the last eight was what was you know would put you like on the bubble, and six and two is probably what you really needed. And I stand by that. Like right now, they are technically one and two over those last eight. Oh yeah, um, with five games to play. You know, now I was assuming they would beat South Florida. South Florida. <laughs> that's you know, like that's why five and three was whatever, and they didn't. Right. Right. So, um, I don't know. That's and why they really personally that like. I'm, I'm going to be honest. The way they played against ECU, I find it hard to believe they're going to go four and one. That being said, sure. I think they could win any one of these five games. I just find it hard to believe this team is. 
They have not shown to be capable of pulling off a four and one stretch against this caliber of opponent yeah. since twenty twenty began. Yeah. I'll say this. The two here's the reason why I think they'll win. Um I think they're due. I think I, I feel there's like three reasons. I, I think they're due for some for some good luck. Um I think I think the home court advantage Saturday is going to be real. I I fully expect a uh, you know a, a very big crowd and a very um, excited, loud, uh, raucous environment. Houston's three conference losses have been road games at Tulsa, at Tulsa, at Cincinnati, at SMU. Yeah. And by the way, all but one of their six losses this year, the uh, team that beat them attempted at least nineteen free throws. So something to keep in mind. So uh, a, a big home court advantage. Um, they're due uh, Memphis, and then um, I saw some things in that game last night where they, when they were playing they, they, well, they executed they were, well. Well, and I, and I point specifically to a few times where the ball movement was really, really crisp, mm-hmm. and that suggests to me that they are beginning to sort of all get on the same page. You know what I mean? And, like, I, that just suggests to me that... They had a positive assist-to-turnover ratio yeah, for the they, game. What, they have 15 assists mm-hmm. and 26 made baskets? Uh, 19 made baskets. 19 made baskets? Yeah. So that's good. That's a good ratio 50, of their 19 right. made baskets. Oh, that's two-point field goals. Excuse me. Yeah, they did have 26. Yeah, 26. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, no, I just I felt like there were a few times last night where the ball movement looked like they were really clicking. Like they were all thinking about the same thing, and uh, and so I, you got to think that that's going to keep moving in the right direction. And, and maybe it's the type of win where you know you just got, you 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 got to win, and it gets you off the schneid, and now they can yeah. exhale a little bit. Yeah, I mean, certainly, like Penny said, you would have rather won by twenty five, and you get some swagger. You get a little bit of like it feels like though this is the best part. opportunity for them to get a marquee win. Like yeah, beating Wichita State will be nice, but like they're it's not going to be a quad one win. No, because it's at home, and yeah. they're not. And Wichita State's just not, you know, not they're fine. They're a bubble. They're a bubble team. They're another they're bubble not, team. But they're not Houston. Um, this is your best opportunity for that marquee win to impress people. And the fact of the matter is, you beat if you if you do if you're Memphis and you do beat Houston Saturday, you talk about confidence going going way up. You know, like you're going to go into SMU with a whole lot of confidence if you beat uh, Houston. So, um, should be it's going to be a very fun uh, next few days. I think. Interesting. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, we'll see. It'll be. It, it should be. Hopefully, it's a great atmosphere. Hopefully, they win because, you know, that would show they're making progress. Yeah, and it would show. Honestly, it would, it would pr- keep hope alive yeah. for the NCAA tournament. It would. <laughs> I mean, it's just so odd that they're going to have to play really well, though. I'm going to be honest. They're going to have to play better than they've played all year. They're going to be better than they did against Tennessee. They're, they're going to have to play well defensively and offensively to win this they're game. They're going to have to play two halves the way they played the first half against NC State. Yes. That's the best half yes. of basketball they've played against a quality opponent. Yes. All year, mm-hmm. and that's what it's going to boil down to. They got to they got to play like that for forty minutes, and so if they can do it, they win. I remind you that NC State game was two months ago. It was. It was on Thanksgiving Day. Three, and, yeah, uh, three months ago. 
Yeah. Um, I know, I know. So, been a long three months. No, it has. Um, it has. But there was no Lester Canonis in that game. Good point. So, there was DJ Jeff. There was so. DJ. There was yeah, no Lester. So, um, but anyway. it will be uh, be a fun uh, seven days here. Let's see uh, it, it, if we if we're if the next time we join you, Memphis has gone two and zero with wins over Houston SMU. It's gonna be. We're gonna have some bracketology to, talk on the next one. Time to get excited if that happens. Um, yes, absolutely. So uh, till then, I was Mark. I was joined by Jason. Make sure you're checking out commercialpeel.com for all sorts of Memphis basketball coverage. Uh, we will both uh, be at the Houston game, and we will both be in Dallas for the SMU game. So uh, make sure you check out what we're writing. Thanks so much, and uh, have a good rest of the week. And uh, a good weekend. Maybe we'll see you at FedEx Forum Saturday. The Tiger Basketball Podcast can be found each week during the regular season at commercialappeal.com. You can also subscribe for free to the Tiger Basketball Podcast on Apple Podcasts and Google Play. I'm Sean King. The Tiger Basketball Podcast is a production of the Commercial Appeal.